returning for the Burning Leaf podcast is myself, Tom, and Russo, and we are here to talk about two things. We always talk about it every week, the Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So there's two things that happened this week between those two teams, and one of them was an embarrassment, and one of them was kind of joyful, an overtime winner from Johnny Goudreau, and a not-so-good overtime winner from the Toronto Maple Leafs, because they didn't score in overtime. They lost to the Ottawa Senators 6-5. to Now, if you're living under a rock and you don't like hockey or something, um, you may want to watch that game back. And something happened in that game. It was 5-1 for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, heading into the last 13 seconds of the second period. The Ottawa Senators score a shorthanded goal, and everything just goes leafland. The 18-wheeler, like Brian Burke, says all the time, it goes right off that steep clip, and they lose 6-5 to the Ottawa Senators. Is it fair to say, guys, is this an overreaction from Leaf fans on Twitter reacting to this game? Or is it just, yeah, kind of expected that? Uh, I wouldn't say we kind of expected that, but a little bit of an overreaction and a little bit of not. They were up 5-1 on the Senators, and you can't take that away from them. But on the other hand, how many times have we seen this story? It's like they've blown it against Pittsburgh twice, Boston, Philadelphia, going back throughout the years. Hell, even David Ayres. So um, they do it once a year. This year it was against the Senators, and they were up big, took their foot off, and to the Senators' credit, they put up five unanswered and beat the Leafs in mid-overtime. So it's fairly expected, but got to give the Sens a lot of credit here. Yeah, you don't see often a coach saying um, going into a third period up by three goals that he felt uncomfortable. That's just embarrassing. And, I'm sorry. And that's like... what Sheldon Keefe said. Um, yeah, I mean, if that was the Flames <laughs> doing that to the Sens, I probably would be in the same position you guys are. Um, yeah, like I didn't watch really any of the game because I heard it was 5-1. <laughs> Leafs probably score three more, win at 8-1 or 8-2, whatever it is. And then you hop on Twitter and you see, oh, the Sens are making a comeback, turn the game on, and Evgeny Dadanov scores the game-tying goal. But ugh, if you're if you're the Leafs, man, you, you can't be doing this to the Senators of all teams. Not this year. Nope. In a year in which no. we're supposed to be taking a massive step forward, at least in terms of defensive hockey. Yeah, and like Keith saying that he kind of like saw this coming. Part of me is like, okay, good. Um, he was able to understand that his team wasn't playing well and uh, didn't really have it in them, didn't have the killer instinct to finish off the game. Part of me, on the other hand, is like, well, man, that's your job to make sure that this team's prepared and can finish off games. I'm not going to fault him at all because I don't really think he was at fault. I mean, maybe call a timeout when they get within one or uh, even the second goal mm-hmm. or get within two. I mean, you can't, I don't know. It's, I didn't watch any of the game besides the highlights and the clips that NHL shows are not very indicative of the entire game. No, but from what I saw, it was like the senators just, uh, it's like the little dog versus the big dog. The big dog gets up, doesn't really expect much of a fight, and yep. expect to be able to cruise the rest of the 20 minutes and 18 seconds or whatever it was. And the little dog just kept chipping and chipping away, and the Leafs just weren't able to close it out. 
And then in overtime, too, can we talk about Morgan Riley just completely waving off Austin Matthews with an empty net mm-hmm. uh, right before Dadunov scored? So uh, they had an opportunity to win. If they did, it would still we still have a little bit of concern. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, like, for me, I see both sides of the... I don't know what argument or whatever we're talking about. I see both sides to this where, like you said, Tom, the big dog lost to the little dog. And that my, like my understanding is like the Leafs do not take the centers lightly. They've said that before, but you're up five, one. Um, you, it, when your coach says comments like that after the game, Oh, I thought we were like, you know, I saw them playing good and they're might coming back and stuff like, like what? I thought you didn't expect, like, I thought you're not going to take them lightly this time. They're the Ottawa senators. Like, Matthews came out after the first loss. Oh, they're a good team. So don't freaking play like that. Like, you blow a 5-1 lead to the centers. And I'm not overreacting here because I think it's just one game. And at least we got a point. But that is so embarrassing to lose to the Ottawa Senators. Like, I would have been more mad if it was on any other team in this division because just the amount of points you're giving up against teams crawling into your positions, right? So it's the Senators. I know it's bad, but like... I'm not overreacting at all. Like, I think this team is fine, but we see the title of our podcast today, Pretenders or Contenders, question mark. And I, I know it's one game, but I, I, it's clear to say that this team is not a contender if they're doing this against the Ottawa Senators. Am I fair to say that? Um, and this is where I'm going to kind of say... Because like, no, I, I, ju- I just never I saw the Leafs as a contenders. I never saw them, even in the offseason, never. They I mean, haven't won around. Definitely a lot closer to being able to contend, and like I think the being the last Canadian team standing is not a question. Um, but it's one of those things where just like in past years, they didn't feel like they belonged there. Boston Game Seven, pick your year. It was always <laughs> we're happy to be in Game Seven. Mm-hmm. We had it, we lost it. This year, it kind of feels a little bit more different, where uh, it's a little bit more unexpected. Like, we don't expect this team to lose. If I stay up and watch a game, I'm expecting to go to bed. They're winning Correct. every night, except yep. for, what, one or two? Uh, it's out of the overtime games, because I'm long asleep by that happens. Uh, but, like, this team is a little bit more different in this division. They have chances to win games and take gigantic leaps ahead of everybody else in this division. Like, even Montreal, Ottawa, Calgary, they should be a step above. Mm -hmm. And if this was past years, I'd be like, okay, this is a gigantic monumental choke. This is the real Leafs team. Mm -hmm. I I see this more as Tampa Bay against Columbus, what was it, two years ago, when they (laughs) were by far and away the best team, and got destroyed i see it more on that of like a wake-up call for the team especially that they kind of saw it coming like like keith said so i I don't agree with you on that i think they are still contenders especially in this division uh but they just it feels different this year even though it's the same thing as every other year yeah yeah russo what are your thoughts like do you think this team's a contender or i mean at the end of the day they're they're still the best team in the nhl at least from a point perspective correct right whether or not you believe they're the best team in the nhl which i mean um i don't know if i necessarily agree with that you know vegas and 
Colorado haven't played as many, or have they played as many games? I know Colorado had a bunch postponed. You still got Tampa. You still got um, Boston still looking really good. Um, by the end of the day, the Leafs are still in first place. And I think everybody and their mom probably should have had the Leafs pegged to be the number one team in the North Division because I've mm-hmm. said it a million times that this North Division is garbage. Mm-hmm. There's not, and I, again, I don't, it's hard for me to say are the Leafs are if they're a contender or not. I still don't think their bottom six is good enough. And I mean, I think it's kind of showed Alex Kerfoot has not been, um, even to what he was to an extent last year. Um, they're not getting anything out of Ilya Mikheyev. They're getting nothing out of Pierre Engvall, which, I mean, was that his first goal of the year last game? And was that his first goal since the David Ayers game? Correct. Yeah. I, think so, I mean, yeah. yeah. And like Travis Boyd has had a few good moments. Um, you know, I think their defense has improved. You know, Justin Hall has been very good. You know, Brody has been probably their, his, their best in his own end. Um, Morgan Riley's been kind of eh at this point. I think he still has another level to go and you still need more out of Freddie Anderson. I mean, whether or not you blame him on any of the goals a sudden scored, you know, yeah. you need a save. Yeah, you can't let him five straight point. goals. And well, I say this as and I say this as a Flames fan where for years we didn't have a goalie that would make that save. <laughs> and now I'm sitting here with Jacob Markstrom going, Holy crap, we're actually getting those saves and we'll get him get into him later. But yeah. um yeah. There, there's opportunity. I think for this team is the best way to put it. If they, they don't need Freddie to be nine twenty five. They need him to be literally league average, and he can most definitely be that guy. They're out of, they're getting production out of Matthews. They're getting out of Marner. They're even getting out of Jumbo Joe when he's been playing. I think you like. I know Nylander and Tavares started the year really hot. Um, you need. I think a little more out of them right now and they need to figure out their depth. And I think with, you know, Simmons eventually coming back and I imagine Nick Robertson will be back with the team um, in a few weeks. I don't think so um, too. Yeah. It, there's opportunity is what I'll say. And it's hard to judge. I think the Leafs off the, uh, the competition. It's like how everyone was saying about the Montreal Canadians that, you know, I was even victim to this of them saying that they're legit, top contending team when you know really they just piled up the points against Vancouver and Ottawa we'll see I mean far from over this season yeah yeah yeah. and once you get into the playoffs anything can happen we've seen it haven't seen it from this team no and I guess but hopefully this year and it doesn't really help when your number one goalie has been hurt by Matthew Kachuk but whatever are we serious? Are we really talking about that still? Are, are we, are we going to get into the <laughs> no, argument not, again, Tom, that it wasn't Matthew Kachuk who did it? <laughs> There's a lot wrong to what I just said. But. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> um, but I guess going yeah. into the Leafs' depth, yeah, which yeah. Um, I was just talking about, Alex Galchenyuk gets brought in. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. It was Igor Korshkov and David Orzovsky yes. going the other way. Yes. They bring in Gelch. He was just traded to Carolina, immediately waived, cleared waivers, and now he's on his way to Toronto. Um, I guess I'll get you guys on it. You guys got to see Gouch for the longest time when he was in Montreal. He had a 30-goal year in 15-16. <laughs> you know, it looked like he had all the makings of 
being a top player, but um, now he's on a on the Leafs team, and I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, like I just laughed there because the, the only good thing you could say about Galchenyuk is what happened four years ago when he scored thirty goals. That's the only thing you could remember Galchenyuk for. It's you just said you just said the thirty goal thing without mentioning any other good things that Galchenyuk can bring to the table, and there's not much because no, there really isn't. Like it's it's tough for a guy to go from thirty goals, like we mentioned, the best thing that's happened to him in his career and kind of fall off a cliff like the Leafs did a couple nights ago versus Senators. But different stratosphere here. We're talking about a third overall pick in one of the worst drafts in recent years in the 2012 draft. There's not not really any good players from that. But talking about Kachenyuk, he has unbelievable hands. He has an unbelievable shot. It's his choice whether whether to use that in a game and kind of um, use his best strengths to his strengths because if he's not doing that, if he's not using his hands, if he's not shooting the puck, he's not a good player. And, you know, when he got traded to Carolina, I said on my other podcast that he's going to the KHL next year. And that's his choice because he needs to either step up on this Maple Leafs team surrounded by pretty good talent, I would think. Uh, Matthews is pretty good. Martin's pretty good. Nealand is pretty good. Tavares is pretty good. If you're playing with one of them, you got to perform. You can't do this again where you're in Ottawa on the fourth line in Ottawa, just first of all, and scoring one goal there. And then you're in Arizona, you're in Pittsburgh, you're in Minnesota, and just doing a whole lot of nothing. This is his last chance in the NHL. It's his last chance to be an NHL player. Whether he takes that opportunity, like you said, Russo, there's a lot of opportunity in the bottom six here for the Leafs. Whether he takes that is his choice, but hands and shot are good. Skating's not good. I do not I don't know if this is the guy that Freeman had on his list. Like I think you wrote that, Tom, right? So is he yeah, a good fit like, here? Like I, I don't think this is the top six winger that hinted at that well, Freeman it's, said. It's, oh, it's, it's not it's not so, the top six winger not. because he's not a top six winger. Yeah. <laughs> well, winger, you can put him in the top six theoretically. <laughs> Jimmy VC, oh, not a top you six put, winger. You, you, you okay, can put Zach Ronaldo in the top six if you wanted to. Yeah. Doesn't mean like, top I six mean, forward. <laughs> sure, but like a little bit different player than Ronaldo versus Galchez. Yeah. <laughs> I think Galchez has a higher chance of succeeding in a top six winger well, role than yeah. Zach Ronaldo does. But um, in terms of like, the actual, like, what Galchenyuk will bring, and you brought up the point of, but he's in the KHL next year, and I think that's a incredibly real possibility. Um, he needs the Leafs more than the Leafs need him, if that makes sense. Like, they have a, a whole load of just wingers in that sort of yep. level of Galchenyuk, right? I Where completely agree. Yeah, like, Nick Batan, Travis Boyd, uh... Hell, even Robertson, if you really want to count him. Kenny just in that, like, yeah, well, we can keep going through the list, and it's just guys that are uh, are going to be here to be competitive and compete for roles, and overall, that will be better. But Galchenyuk, I think, needs this Leafs team, and you said, like, um, this team really builds around skill. They can really work with a lot of skill. We've seen that in the way Dubas drafts. They draft a lot of skill and work on the other parts of the game as they develop because they develop really well. And we've seen with Galchaniak for the few days he's been here is he's actually working with the training staff uh, to help develop the other parts of his game very quickly so that when he eventually makes it into the lineup, he's already accustomed to the system and everything and it's a better fit for him. And I think like if he's able 
just sort of adapt to the way the Leafs play. And I think that's a good fit for him. Um, I could actually see him being quite useful. Am I wrong in that? No, it's it's up to him. It's his, the ball's in his court. Because like the talent's there, and we've seen this with the Leafs. Like they pick up guys that sort of need the Leafs more than the Leafs need them. Like we can yep. get Tyler Ennis. He didn't need, or the Leafs didn't need Tyler Ennis, but Tyler Ennis needed the Leafs for the medical staff, the rehabilitation, and everything. And look what happened to him. He actually turned out to be quite good in his time here. So I think Gelch is sort of in that same sphere. And then uh, as for the trade itself, if you think uh, one Mark Hunter drafting, wow, that's awful. Thank you, Korshkov. Uh, two, they got Warsawski back in the captain deal, I believe. Yeah, correct. And if you think that you basically sort of add Gelchenyuk back into that deal and then subtract uh, and then just throw in Korshkov, uh, honestly, pretty great asset management on Dubas's part. I'm not yep. going to complain one bit. I think that's a fantastic use of assets. And uh, I know I'm going on a little bit here, but Carolina did the same thing with all of their asset management. I forget what the actual like trade tree is, but they turned nothing into a whole lot through a bunch of uh, player picks, trades, and everything. I think you guys covered really everything on uh, on Gouch there. Um, yeah, I'm actually like kind of excited for him. But I don't we'll think he's going to do anything, comes. to be completely honest with you. If he's, I don't think we'll it's a smart move to play him with Tavares and Nylander because, quite frankly, he's barely an NHL player at this point. <laughs> it is kind of crazy, though, the fall from grace he's kind of had. That yeah. year before he got traded to Arizona, he had 51 points. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a pretty yeah. useful player. He Then he went down to 41, but given he was playing in Arizona and then he had 17 and 45 in a short stint with the Penguins. Went to Minnesota, looked like things were on the up, seven points in 14 games. It's about half a point per game. Um, and then, I hate to put it this way, but like, Sens fans, I think they know where their team kind of is. They're in the dumpsters right now. Like, mm-hmm. they're coming. You can see it, you know, with Stutzla and all those guys. But he signed with a bad team because no one else wanted him. And yeah. then he was getting scratched with that bad team and playing on the fourth line. This really is it. Yeah, and, it's last I chance, ima- yeah. and I imagine when Robertson is ready to go and when Simmons is ready to go, I imagine they're just going to rewave Galchenyuk and that will be that. So Yeah, and you brought up this point, and I know we had the back and forth about this. Galch is actually on the Marlies right now. So in terms of cap hit, it's been prorated, so it's like almost nothing towards the actual cap. Right. By the time they call him up and send him back down, the season will basically be over. So if he does get claimed, whatever, or he's just up and down the taxi squad for the rest of the year, cool. Um, <laughs> so in, like the way this team's done their cap shenanigans in terms of like finding players and targeting them, it's been fantastic, and that's just that just adds to the potential that. Galchenyuk has, and if it doesn't work out, costs you nothing, basically. So. Yep. Yeah, and I think in, in another year where the cap isn't flat and you know owners haven't lost as much money as they had, would a guy like Galchenyuk cleared waivers? Probably not. No. You're t- yeah. like a team would have said ah, a million bucks. We can try that. We can get, take a flyer on him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know the kind of reality we're living in he cleared waivers and um you know it is what it is yep. at this point and, you know maybe maybe the Leafs can insulate him well he's a pretty decent power play guy uh but at even strength he's basically a dud so <laughs> you know maybe it works but i would very highly doubt that Gouch is going to work. We've seen crazier things happen, I guess. You know what's so. crazy? And what's that? So we have the question here in our doc that, um, what's wrong with the Flames? And this is coming off an overtime win. I don't know who wrote this in the doc, but uh, like, is there, is it, it there something wrong? lost, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but um, from everything I've seen, the Flames look a little bit wrong. Am I yeah. wrong, Russo? No, no, and I think it's crazy to think that I think they've only played one game this year where they actually played the whole 60, and that was against the Jets last week, where they won 3-2, probably deserved to win by a lot more, um, and I talked about it last week. They only gave up one high-danger chance, and it ended up in the back of their net against the Jets that game. But since then, they've played Vancouver three times, and it's been like... I don't know what it is about when they play on the road and they get absolutely stomped. And I don't know if it's a matchup thing or whatever it is. But they came out that game on, I want to say it was Thursday. Um, It was okay. I don't think they played that bad on Thursday, last Thursday. I didn't think they played that bad. It was just kind of like, you know, Markstrom, he definitely stole the two points, but take it and run. Then you move to Saturday and they get absolutely run over like no sense of any type of urgency nothing from them absolutely nothing the only guy who looked like he came to play that game was Jacob Markstrom and he has undoubtedly been the Flames best player all season long thank god thank god that he's been as good as advertised and then you know, they get absolutely run over in that game. They get outshot 46 to 19. The shots after the first were 20 to 4. And they somehow ended up being in a 1 1 tie till about a minute left in the game until Tyler Myers scored. Somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. And the game on. Um, what day is it today? The game Monday. on Monday. I actually didn't think they played that bad of a game. I thought for the most part, they carried the play a 5 on 5. Um, they took way too many penalties and ended up costing them. Um, and I think in the third, they did what they did back in August. And that was, you have a lead, let's sit on it. Let's not try to push the pace. And that's what haunted them against the Dallas Stars. They sat back and Dallas said, okay, we'll take it to you guys. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened um, Monday night. They're very, 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 very lucky that Thatcher Demko led a terrible goal to Johnny Gaudreau. They're very lucky. And they're very lucky Jerry Markstrom was very good again. And it's becoming an issue. Like, what team am I going to see tonight? Am I going to see the team that played against Winnipeg last Tuesday, or am I going to see the team that got absolutely run over by the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, Which like, right. yeah it's tough. And I, I know Mike and Jordan talked about it quite a bit when they were on with us. And we talked about Jeff Ward and how it's basically amateur hour with him. And nothing's changed. Like, you would think yeah. after what happened in August, you would think what happened after they got run over by 
the Leafs in that first period where they had one shot. You would think after those games against Montreal that he would learn. And he hasn't. He hasn't learned. Not for a second. And I know you can't blame the coach for everything, but Josh Levo is scratched again tonight. And Byron Fraze is playing tonight. And Joachim Nordstrom is playing tonight. What? Like, and you have Sam Bennett on the fourth line? And he's actually been playing a decent amount of, like, he's been playing decently lately? Come on. Like, what, let me what step we, in what here. What are we doing here? Let me step in here. Like, he clearly likes something to do with grinding in the corner. Like, he clearly likes his role players, if you know what it, I'm talking it, about. And like, to be, like, if I'm going to be fair to Yoki Nordstrom here, is Derek Ryan's injured. Um, Michael Backwood missed the last game with an injury. My, Michael Backwood's back tonight, thank God. Um, <laughs> he likes to use Yoki Nordstrom in a PK role. And whatever, fine. But... He's an absolute nothing at 5-on-5. Five five. He's a complete liability. He hasn't got a damn point this year, and I know I'm not expecting points from Joachim Nordstrom, but it's it's annoying because... Man, look into a point at this point. Damn. No, and like, I, I you know, you have Glenn Godden sitting on the taxi squad, a guy I've been yelling for them to put in the lineup for over a year and a half now, and he's just chilling. You know, and... Like, Josh Levo, I get the balances have not been there for him this year, but he's been playing well, and how does he get rewarded? By being scratched. Yeah, and this whole... Yeah. this whole, it, He doesn't even know how to perfect a goddamn breakout. It's the same shit over and over again. <laughs> push it up the wall, push it up the wall, push it up the wall. It doesn't work. Vancouver, that game on Saturday, that I would like my Saturday, Saturday night go back, please... It, it, like they clogged up the middle, they clogged up the boards, and it was just easy. Take it, bring it back. Take it, bring it back. Take it, bring it back. And it's like they didn't adjust all game long. And that seems to have been like a problem with the Flames, not like only this year under Ward, but like going back to last year too, and a little bit beyond that. I always found like the Flames are really easy to play a trap game against. Well, and... if you go back to, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. No, I was going to say, like, Mike and Jordan talked about it before. Bill Peters found a way to unlock what this team was missing. And he let them play a speed game. He let them play a fast transitioning game. And whatever Bill Peters did in the 18-19 year worked. Mm-hmm. And then they got shut down by Colorado. And he made this drastic overhaul. And Jeff Ward basically took that. And said, okay, but I'm going to make you guys even more defensive. And we saw it in, in the bubble. And they were a nothing. And now we're seeing it again this year. It's, I, I don't want to keep talking about Jeff Ward. I really don't. Yeah. But when you come out. don't want to play for him. No, and that's and, the thing that I think a lot of people are drawing conclusions to. It, it, like, they, it, it looks like that. It looks like, like they have lost... In- He's not putting them in a position to succeed, for one, with all the lineup um, inefficiencies, I guess you could call it. But, like, Mm -hmm. the players that are there, it doesn't seem like they really want to put in the full effort. And you said they haven't played a 60-minute hockey game in, like, maybe this year. For a week. Yeah, and, and, uh, like, how much is that the preparation of the coach? and not wanting to play for them and where have we heard this before with Mike Babcock 
Yeah, well, it, and, it's also very concerning when you get outshot 46 to 19, and what your coach basically just says after the game is we weren't competitive. Yeah, that's just not. How like, many how many times are are you gonna say that? How many? And how many times can you use it? Like yeah. I, I wasn't a fan of Glenn Gulletson, but at least he showed a little bit of emotion. You know, there was a game that they won, and he's throwing his stick into the stands. <laughs> you know, at least Glenn Gulletson tried a little bit. Jeff Ward seems like it, you know it's who cares? You know, ah, we got we got we got we got we got dummied on. We got we got outshot. We got outchanced, but we only lost by a goal. So who cares? I always take it back to. I want to say it was game. I think it was game four, when the Flames were up two one against Dallas, and they were eleven seconds away from going up three one, and Joe Pavelski scores with eleven seconds left, and they win in overtime. The Flames gave up sixty shots, and the, I want to say the actual, uh, what's it called, like shot attempts. Dallas doubled them up. Dallas had I think a hundred. The Flames had fifty. And what did Jeff Ward after that game come out and say? He said, oh, we, we played a good game. And this is nothing like the series against Colorado last year. This is way better. Like, like what? <laughs> and, and then this all leads to Bradtree Living. You had Gerard Gallant sitting at home. You had Gerard Gallant sitting there. And hey, maybe it's an ownership thing where they don't want to pay the money for um, big-time coaches. But you, Bradtree Living was... Bradtree, but they were allowing him to spend right to the cap on players. There's no point on assembling this team if you're not going to have a good coach to to put them in a position where they're going to succeed. Right. You can spend $36 million on Jacob Markstrom, but if the rest of the team can't perfect a system that they're not designed to play, mm-hmm. nothing's going to happen. No, I don't think he's like, that coach. No, he's not an NHL head coach. He's no. not. I've been saying it since he was given the reins last November or two Novembers ago, whatever, whenever whenever the Bill Peters crap happened. You know, it's... And I know coaching isn't the be-all and end-all. Right. But look what Gerard Gallant did with, with Vegas in their first year. Look what he did up until he got fired. That He shouldn't have been fired in Vegas. Are you kidding me? Not even close. No. Oh, you know, absolutely not. No, and but like the coach isn't the end all be all, but the coach can have one hell of an effect on your team. Just yes. like from yeah. a morale perspective, from a systems perspective, if you implement the correct one for your team, and you can get a lot of motivation out of guys if you just motivate them properly. Um, yeah, like that doesn't seem to be coming from the Flames at all. No, there's and... just times I watch them play, and it's like they don't want to be there. That's what it looked like Saturday no. night. It looked like they did not want to be playing a hockey game, except for Jacob Markstrom. He's the only guy that looked like he cared. Yeah, and like tonight, like I talked about the motivation kind of aspect to it. What has Jeff Ward been doing to reward players? Scratching them the next game, right? Mm, uh, no, he, he'll he'll give like, more bad players more ice time. It seems like well, yeah, there you go. It and seems like, like the players know if other players who aren't good or. Are, Getting ice time, they know. Yeah, but uh, I would, I would love to know what Josh Levo did to Jeff Ward. Yeah, I would love really. to know. I, and, I would love to know why him and what him and Austin Zarnick did. 
I would love to know. Yeah. Because this is exactly what happened with Austin Zarnick a year ago. Where, hey, he's not that bad of a player. He can help bottom six. And he's he's just not playing. I got and a question. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, I got a question for you, Russo. How many games has Levo played in Vancouver like in, for the Calgary Flames? Oh, this year? No, like, uh, did he play against the Canucks this year? Oh, he played, the, he played the first two in Calgary. And then he played the next two. So he played the first two of the three. And then he was scratched on um, on Monday, and it doesn't look like he's in the lineup tonight. Like, like I'm not the type of... If I was an NHL coach, I'm not the type of... Like, I would be... Actually, I would be the type of guy that gives, like, sentimental moments, moments to players. Like, the guy played for the Vancouver Canucks. At least let him dress. And he's better no. than the guys you're scratching, you're yeah, putting in the like, lineup. Like, <clears throat> like, I'm not... Like, there's this, like... Dominic Simone will get scratched. And he's been scratched for a majority of the year. But then when he's playing, he's playing with Goudreau and Monaghan. What? Yeah, see, I don't get what? that. Like, and here's the thing. I, I like Dominic Simone. I think he can be useful in a third or fourth line role. But w- why are you playing him with your two best offensive players? <laughs> you're throwing him to the fire, basically, what you're doing. And you're scratching him. He's missing games. And then he's like, yeah. okay, go play on the first line and see if you can perform. How's like, he going to perform? It's, and it's funny because I would love to see Josh Levo in extended role in that line. Because I think it's exactly what Gajo and Monaghan can use. And that's kind of right what now. they were doing in Vancouver with them. was like a very similar situation for that. Yeah, they had him with Pedersen. They had him with Horvat. Yeah. But uh, I if I can like go back to the whole motivation thing of Jeff Ward and uh, giving players not the proper man, I said, whatever. Um, if like Sheldon Keith, for example, that dude's a fantastic motivator. Um, yeah. Like Travis Boyd. He scored last game, sure, okay, cool. And then what does he do this game? Travis Boyd, power play unit one. Like, it's just putting players in positions to succeed after they've earned that. I think, like, that's not happening with the Flames at all. Um, oh, I'm surprised, surprised Milan like, Lucic hasn't been PP1 yet. Yeah, for real. Although, was he guys six four, goals? Guy, guys, four goals, seven points. <laughs> credit where credit due, he was playing just... well. Just even throw him in front of the net. Yeah, uh, no, that's what we got. See what happens. Throw him in front of the net. No, but like, I don't know, and I don't know what the hesitation is with Andrew Mangiapane either. Like now he's playing with Kachuk and Lindholm. Like it's about damn time. But I don't know what the hesitation with him was playing him on the third line. Like the guy's been arguably your best even strength skater. Why aren't you using him? You know. I think he can do really well with Joe and Monaghan. I really think he can. Because he adds an element that neither of those guys have, and that's like he'll chase the puck down like a dog. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't I don't I don't really understand and even this whole like you're putting Sam Bennett on the fourth line tonight. That makes like, no sense. Like him and like here's the thing, like that Dubé Bennett Lucic line was very good in August. They were very good. And then you put them together last game and they were very good again. And now you're just going to break them up? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't get it. You know? It, there's a lot. And, you know, it all stems back to, hey, we we, we want to play and we want a, a play in round in August. So <laughs> we, we should stick with it. I really do. I really do wonder how different things are if they lose to Winnipeg. I really do wonder. Yeah. I, guess we'll, I guess we'll never see it. it. Like, 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see in a week if we're in the same position as we are now because it's it's felt like very repetitive with the flames of. It seems like we're talking about the same. It hasn't fully been there. Yada yada yada. Like it's the flames issues have the same issues every week and nothing's being done about it. At least in the Leafland, we're like, oh, Wayne Simmons died. Oh, no, Thornton's out. Oh, cool, but he's back. Oh, Robertson. Yada yada. Like it's. I don't know what I want. Boring or fun? Collapsing 5-1 or boring? I don't know. They're both pain. Um, speaking of pain, how about Buffalo? Man, man, man are they horrible. Um, they haven't been scoring at all. They've barely been winning games in a year that they expected to compete for the playoffs or else Jack Eichel was going to request a trade. And I was pretty open with management and the coaching staff. I believe they sit second last in the division. Last. Um, even behind Oof. New Jersey. Hey, New Jersey. Or no, sorry, they sit last. Yes. When uh yeah, no, the Devils didn't get no, they sit and, and the de- last and they haven't the even division. played yeah, they've played two more games than the Devils, but Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, they've had the COVID protocol two and everything. But they have one win in their last five. They currently only have ten points. Uh, although only one behind the Rangers with two games in hand, so we can see how that turns out. But um, guys, what do you think's going on with the Sabers and uh, Thomas Lasky first? Yeah. Um, uh, to kind of sugarcoat things, it's uh, the culture of the team. It's it's well, you hired a head coach last year. I don't think Ralph Kruger's necessarily a bad coach in the league. But you signed guys like Hall, you traded for guys, you know, you're, I don't know what you're doing there management-wise. You've got a new GM this summer, I believe, or this offseason. You think things are, you think, you think things are going to take a turn and they get worse. How, how do they get worse with Taylor Hall? I get this. I get this is the toughest division in hockey right now. I think we can all agree on that. But like, come on, like last place. That's in a year where your franchise is on the brink of collapse and yes they are on the brink of collapse because if they don't make the playoffs Eichel's gone I'm sorry he is gone out of that team Eichel's gone they are so screwed (laughs) two-thirds of their top lines gone and then you just said it Russo if Eichel's gone who's who's next gone Taylor Hall who has one year left he's not coming back so yeah like the problems just keep sneaking in and then who's next Rasmus Dahlin exactly exactly like the stem just keeps growing and growing and growing and then it falls down the tree. So this team has something wrong in the DNA where like they haven't made the playoffs in what, like 10 years? Like, come on, man. You have Jack Eichel, one of the best hockey players on the earth right now, and you're sitting in last place. And the funny thing is, is we all knew the Buffalo Sabres were going to be bad, but like they're already bad and Jack Eichel's not scoring. They're just even worse now. So... Yeah, he has two goals, yeah, but and, 11 and 12. Him and Hall combined have three. Yeah, like, Taylor Hall is one goal, but they're pulling their weight. Like, Eichel has 11 points in 12 games. Eichel has, Hall has 9 and 12. Olafson has 11 and 12 when 9 are on the power play, which is just ridiculous. Um, the, the, the problem, well, I mean, there are a lot of problems, but a big problem is you have a guy making $9 million and only has one assist. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, it's Jeff Skitch. Yikes. Oof. I mean, to be fair, put players in a position to succeed, and the fourth line is not it. 
Yeah, Although, well, he's, I do think at least I'm looking at. Yeah, I'm looking at daily things off right now, back. and he has the Skinner is playing with Jack Eichel. No, he right wasn't now. playing last night with him. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, fourth line. Jesus. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I mean that nine million. Jeff Skinner was never going to live up to that. He has his career high of like sixty points. He was never going to live up to that contract. But ugh, it's. There's a lot of issues. Thomas, I, I, Thomas, I know how you talked about the culture, and that's all true, but they're getting no help in the net either. I mean, Carter Hutton's a 9-12. I mean, not Carter Hutton. Linus Olmark's a 9-12. He's actually been having a pretty decent run here, but like they have a good top six. I think it's a good. I don't think it's great. I think it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, you got you know Hall, Eichel, Olafson, like I said, has been really good. Eric Stahl, Sam Reinhardt, Jeff Skinner, if you can get him going, but... Like, their bottom six is atrocious. Yeah, Tage Thompson, who started the year with Hall and Eichel, is on the fourth line. Tobias Reeder noted couldn't score a goal in Edmonton <laughs> on the third yeah. line. Cody Eakin, who's not Eakin. very good. Kyle Ocpozo passes prime. Riley Shahan, Rasmus Asplin. Like, it's it's not good. And I know they tried this offseason. Like, God give them credit. Like, God yeah. give Kevin Adams credit. He tried. Mm-hmm. Like he brought in arguably the biggest fish, at least on the fr- on the forward market in Taylor Hall. Yep. You know he brings in Eric Stahl. God, he tried, but there's something very, very, very wrong in Buffalo, and I don't know what fixes it. And like if people can... are, and if people are saying it's gonna be Jack Eichel traded, no, <laughs> you better get that's gonna do back so much forward. more damage than it will. Oh yeah, because you'll never wait, Tom. We 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 had a long conversation after the episode last week about a Jack Eichel trade, but you will never win a Jack Eichel trade unless the no. first round unless the first round pick you get back turns in the Shane Wright. You might you might not even win if it turns in the Shane Wright. You might not even win if that happens. No, because you're in the same position as you're with yeah. Eichel. Yeah, <laughs> except except you have a, a a younger version of him. Yeah. You know, they, they would. There has to be. This is feeling like the New Jersey situation, but not as bad. Where, or maybe as bad, where Jersey had to rebuild a rebuild. It looks like Buffalo's going to have to do the same thing. Especially if, like third or fourth rebuild. <laughs> oh well, we well like, if ooh. if we look in the Eichel era, right? Mm-hmm. Like. You know, they bring Jack Eichel. The next year, they had Kyle Pozo. Things were looking up, and ugh, it didn't. No. Yeah, it's no, it's tough. And I would love to know where Taylor Hall is going to get traded to. If we're placing bets, yeah. where is he going at the deadline? Ooh. Which is crazy because in a That's normal a year, the deadline problem. would have been like next week. Isn't that wild? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the um, deadline would have been like Monday. <laughs> end of February, yeah. I really don't know where Taylor Hall would go. I don't think it would be to the Canadian team. Just the quarantine lengths and uh, just none of them are really set up to make that kind of trade. Uh, I could see a team like Florida would go after, maybe. Yeah. Maybe even like a Carolina they, you'd be really complimentary in their top, like, nine even. I don't know. It'd be interesting uh, in terms of all the contenders. 
I don't think Colorado or Vegas would be in on that big of a fish. Just I think he very much can go to. Yeah, like I think he can go down to like that second tier of team. Yeah, like, I agree. Ten, right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I mean, if this kind of, is ironically really, kind of like Arizona again, but yeah, I mean, if this is the year you're gonna give up draft picks, this might be the year you do it, just because no one is playing. Yep. So if you think you yep. have a small chance of getting through, why not? Right. Yeah. Just go for yeah. it. Wacky things will happen this year. Wacky things have been happening. And like, depending the poor on... Dallas Stars, for example, they finally get off their COVID. Um, the COVID list, and they're finally playing games, and a snowstorm hits Texas, and they've had them postpone <laughs> two games now. Yeah. Like, oh man, this wacky, wacky season. Yeah. It's it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it, it's crazy that Buffalo's probably gonna win. Like I called it when they signed Taylor Hall. It's like a win-win kind of thing, where it's like, oh, if they have them and they do good, hey, cool. But if they have them and they do bad, then they're gonna get assets for them. Which it looks like they're going to be getting assets for him, unless <laughs> unless yeah, unless absolutely nobody ponies up for Taylor Hall, because it's wherever he goes, it's like oh draft lottery. You know what would be funny? What if a team like contending for the lottery like traded for Taylor Hall? Like hey, <laughs> just like, to hey, up their like, luck. Hey, like hey Taylor, we know you can get us the first overall pick, <laughs> even though we don't know who the first overall pick's going to be this year. Come yeah, help us. Zero clue. Yeah. Yeah. That's the wild. That's well, that's a whole other. Situation. We'll see closer to the draft what happens. Maybe we can bring somebody on as a guest, but it's it's a it's a fun time of not knowing anything. Yeah. Um. Real quick, I just wanted to mention before we get into our player of the week, and I know Tom's got a hot take. Before the season started, there were talks between Ryan Nugent Hopkins and his camp and the Oilers camp regarding an extension. Um, it was yes. reported Ryan Nugent Hopkins very much wants to stay in Edmonton and uh, he wants to be there long term and it looks like the Oilers want him to be long term there as well. Uh, we're a couple months out from the trade deadline and Ryan Rashog tweeted today that there has been zero talks between Nugent Hopkins camp and the Oilers camp. Um, and with the flat cap, COVID, all, all the restrictions, um, and also with, you know, Connor McDavid making his 12 and a half, Leon Dreisaitl making his eight and a half, the need for defense, the need for depth. It's very possible we might see a Ryan Nugent Hopkins move here, especially if Edmonton falls out. Wow. And especially if they fall out. Yeah. Although I, that's I'm not a like guy you can get here. They're not falling out of the top five. And if they're uh, in that top five, they're going to go for it anyway. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you gotta like. Well, we'll see with Mike Smith and me. They've got to fall hard, kind of like get down there with Vancouver and Ottawa at the basement of this division, <laughs> kind of fall off. Yeah, but that's it's super interesting to see it from that because I think of Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I can't see him in a different jersey in Oilers. I mean, I would love to see him I in can. a different jersey. We've stirred center. Let's go. Oh my God! Here we go! Here we go! Um, <laughs> Ryan Nugent Hopkins to the Leafs. Frig, man. I, I would I would take Nugent a heartbeat though on my team. Guys, really yeah. like these last three years. It's been a damn damn incredible, and I know he's getting to play with some pretty special talents and Drysaddle and McDavid, but yeah, he could have that in Toronto too. Which 
Also, <laughs> by the way, that would be the perfect kind of third center that the Leafs would want is somebody that could be versatile and move up to the top six one your roles too. Just saying. That say is, goodbye. That is say goodbye. We know that Dubas likes. Say goodbye to so. Nick Robertson then. Perfect. Did you guys see what Kipriel <laughs> said on his podcast? The clip kind of went viral. I did regarding, not. Regarding Sam Bennett and Alex Kerfoot. Did not. Um, so basically, no. Nick Kiprios and oh, what's his name? Not Paul McLean. The other guy. Ron, was or not Ron. The um, guy was on Sportsnet. Doug. Doug McLean. Doug McLean. Uh, basically, they were doing. Kipper was doing his podcast, and basically, he said the Leafs should one hundred percent trade for Sam Bennett. And the package he threw together was Nick Robertson and Alex Kerfoot. <laughs> and he said, if the Leafs are throwing in Kerfoot, then the Leafs can, then the Flames can throw in Lindholm. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, first they said just it was throwing to become the two main pieces of the trade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it would God. be basically Lindholm. Like, and if you're like from a Flames perspective, that makes zero sense. I know. Like, like, like I um, Kerfoot and Bennett, I think are pretty interchangeable. But like, Lindholm would be like by far and away the best player going back. Like what? Well, no matter what you think yeah. Nick Robertson might be. Elias Lindholm is a point per game player in the NHL right now. Like that's wild to even think that he threw in Lindholm. But hey, if it's Sam Bennett for Nick Robertson one for one, I'm all in for it. Yeah, no, I, I just I thought wow. I thought that was extremely funny and like it, I feel like he did it on purpose because he knew people would react. Like oh, I'm, yes. just, I'm, I'm just and, gonna say, I'm just gonna say this to piss people off. Yeah, I thought that was uh, I thought that was quite funny. But um, moving on, we'll go to our player of the weeks. Player of the week. And I'll start with you, Thomas. Who do you got for your player of the week? Yeah, I got Big Daddy Jordan Stahl. That guy, man. <laughs> he came into this year. I thought you were gonna say I'm getting Big Daddy. daddy. <laughs> no, no, no. That's the other Big Daddy. But this guy, he is like a fridge on the ice, and he's the captain of the Carolina Hurricanes, and he's been flying into this year, like really, really nicely. I believe he's on the second line, and he's looked very good there. I mean, four goals, one assist in three games in the past week, two power play goals, one power play assist. And the most fascinating part of this stat is 65% on the faceoffs. That's pretty impressive to do that as a centerman, a consistent centerman in this league. And, well, Jordan Stahl's been doing that. I... Like, he's always been underrated for me, at least, in this league, because he brings a lot to the table. He brings leadership. He brings his face-off skills. And he also can chip in once in a while on the power play or even strength. So I like him in that fit in Carolina. And, you know, I, had a, I picked him up in my fantasy team a couple weeks ago, so that's probably the reason why I kind of picked him. But he's been hot to start off the year, not needless to say. So that's my pick for this week. All right, for Tom. Uh, <laughs> I don't have an – actually, my player – is Cam the Cannon Atkinson. I don't think that's his real name, but if it's, or his nickname, if it's not, I think that should be because Columbus the Cannon, perfect mash there. I really like that. Um, <laughs> he had three goals, four assists for seven points this week in three games played for the Blue Jackets, including a power play and shorthanded point. He was doing it both ends. And they really needed somebody to step up in that sort of Dubois spot. And 
uh, Sony to really fill in the gaps around Line and Ross Levick has done it. Line has been quite hot actually, but Cam Atkinson, he's been really hot this week, and the Blue Jackets have really needed somebody to step up like that. Russo, who's yours? Um, we talked about him earlier. I'm going with Jacob Markstrom. Uh, literally stole two wins for the Flames. Um, was been absolutely phenomenal. Has had a 9.46 save percentage over the past week, 2.01 GAA, and he's had a goal goal saved above average stat from Evolving Hockey. Basically, they take um, they take the average amount of shots. They do some math. I don't know how it completely works, but he has a 6.81 goal saved above average. So he's basically saved six more goals. He's saved six more goals than expected which is kind of nuts. Um, he's been carrying the flame so far this season. Um, he's been awesome. So Jacob Markstrom's my guy. Good old Marky God. Okay, and do you have a nickname for him? Uh, Marky God. He's basically God. And uh, I won't say it's a hot take, because I know you got yours, but is it fair to say, at least right now, Jacob Markstrom's the best goalie in the North, the North Division? And I know Connor Hellebuck exists, but is that fair to say? Connor Hellebuck exists, but... I'll, I'll give you that. He is definitely... At least this year. If not the best, definitely second. Definitely. Yeah, he's definitely top two. Definitely which second is, to Jack which is, which is Which is... Oh, here we go. Which is... <laughs> but it's, uh, it's definitely been... It's definitely kind of weird to talk about a Flames goalie being very, 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 very good. It's weird. It's very weird. But it's, anyway. It's been a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tom, let's move on. Hot take of the week. What do you got for us? All right. Hot take of the week, boys. Hot take of the week. Do you know which team plays in one of the toughest divisions? And also kind of sucked last year. The New Jersey Devils. Now, I don't know if you know, they've only played 10 games because COVID has kind of run through their entire organization, both Mm -hmm. NHL and AHL. Um, Despite that, they are 5-3-2 and two, and have 12 points in 10 games. Now, I personally believe, maybe not believe, hot take, uh, that they can, I believe they can contend for a playoff spot. I think they might even squeak it. Is that a hot take or no? It's a hot take. Is it? Okay. <laughs> it's <a> straight up. <laughs> Devils make the playoffs. I mean... There's yeah. potential because they have probably the best goalie in that division. I might take heat for that because Mackenzie Blackwood has been amazing. Carter Hart exists, but Mackenzie Blackwood has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Now, if you let me just explain my reasoning here. Yeah, explain, bit. explain. Yeah. The Devils have only played 10 games. Everybody else around them has played 14 the Washington Capitals have been on a little bit of a downturn of late. They've only won one in their last five. Pittsburgh's won two in their last five, and those are the two ahead in the four and five spot. They're not catching Boston, the Islanders, and Philadelphia. I'm not that crazy. But I think it's reasonable to say that they can squeak in past one of Washington and Pittsburgh when they're only three-slash-five game five points back with four games in hand. That's a higher, or the Devils have a higher point percentage currently than those two teams. And if you look at their strength of schedule throughout the rest of the season, and I know that they play essentially 
every other night for the remainder of the season. It's still quite weak relative to the division. They got uh, Boston out of the way fairly early and beat them. Uh, and that's that's really it. I think they might actually be able to make the playoffs this year. And they also get Nico Heischer back. They're yeah, I was about to say. He's been is... missing the entire time. Yeah, he hasn't played a game yet. So. That's like they're gonna need someone not named Miles Wood to like lead their team in scoring. Miles Wood is lead. Well, he's tied for the lead with Hughes and Ty Smith. Yeah, but Jack Hughes exists. Very good. Very very good. I'm glad he's kind of incredible bounce had. back. Him oh, and yeah. Kappa, incredible bounce back. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can. Eh, I don't know if I can see it, but. They'd have to have a really good run. They would have to have a really good run. Because you can basically say Boston's a lock, Islanders, and... Mm, can make the argument for Philly. Yeah, they'd have to... Because you're basically battling... You're basically battling that one spot. They'd have to be really good. Hey, but you know what? Nico's coming back. If Mackenzie Blackwood continues to play like God, eh, who knows? Hockey's weird. Anything can happen. Hockey's weird, and when it comes down to point percentage at the end of the season, which the NHL has said it will, um, the Devils just they already have a higher point percentage than the teams ahead of them in terms of for getting to that fourth and final spot. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see. I think they can do it. Thomas? Yeah, I'm going to have to say that's hot. I'm going to say no. <laughs> 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 all right that was pretty quick thanks for, hey, thanks hey, it's a, it's thanks for coming it's a, out thanks for coming out it's a hot take uh you gotta hey no, I it's said, definitely a hot take hey, yeah. I, hey i said buffalo was gonna make the playoffs at the beginning of the year and i'm i'm looking like an idiot <laughs> see Sorry. this is where i will say i am more confident in the buffalo take at that time than yeah. i am in this devil's take currently hey however it was the beginning i of still the year. think this devil's take is not very far off well yeah all you need is a goalie, and they've oh yeah, they've got a goalie. They've got a very. They've good got a goalie. goalie. They got a one-two center, and their defense is actually not that bad in front of Blackwood. So, I we'll see. We'll see. We will see. I hope for your sake. I hope for your sake, you're right, because I would love to see the Devils. I would love to see Jack Hughes yes. and Nico. Mark this down. I would love to see it, but uh, I don't know. You yeah. guys got anything else? Uh, a, no, I exhausted it all on the New Jersey Devils take. Yeah. That took a lot out of me. All I want to say is the Flames are wearing their Blasty jerseys tonight, and I'm very, very excited because Blues get to play jerseys. Ottawa again. Um, oh yeah, it must be. If nice. this is not, well, we'll see if it's nice, but yeah. uh, they better really show up, or else we are going to have some problems. So oh yeah, next week will be fun if they lose again, but. Um, anyway, that's going to conclude it for this one. As always, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Burning Leaf Pod. Uh, you can hit subscribe on our YouTube channel. It's also The Burning Leaf Podcast. Um, and yeah, go Flames, go. We'll see you guys in the next one.